The Comey Affair? The Russian hacking saga? What are they all about? I think I might have cracked the code. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And this is a very uh, joyful Saturday. People are pretty excited that the I-85 bridge has been restored. We may have to christen that the Basil Ellaby Bridge. The Basil Ellaby Overpass is back up and running. And uh, and people are super excited about it. I know there's still some glitches, lots of traffic, but uh, it's a good thing. It's like a good Mother's Day present. Tomorrow's Mother's Day. And uh, I have to say that... The, my best Mother's Day memory was my first Mother's Day in Atlanta. I had little, little kids. I had one of my kids has Down syndrome. He's my oldest. So I had three kids in diapers for like longer than anybody. I had little toddlers just uh, overwhelming me. So when your kids are little, weekends are not better. And, uh, and I really wanted to do something nice for Mother's Day. But my husband, who was probably also overwhelmed in those days, Kind of dropped the ball on that. And we had nothing to do and nowhere to go. So I was thinking, I can't stand in line for two hours waiting for a place to sit down with these little kids. Where on earth could, uh, would not have lines on Mother's Day? I'm like, IHOP? No, IHOP's going to be loaded. Everything. And I had this brilliant uh, idea. Hooters. I thought, who would take their mom to Hooters on Mother's Day? So we went to Hooters on Cobb Parkway. And, of course, it was totally empty except for a bunch of guys at the bar. And it was awesome, though, because they had plenty of room. There was no waiting. They had balloons, helium balloons everywhere and Mother's Day desserts. Like, they were totally ready for us. All the waitresses were waiting on us. It was a totally (laughs) great day. That was a great uh, idea on my part. And the the hilarious part, though, was the legacy of that day was that for years after that, my little son, who I think was only four at the time, anytime we'd pass a Hooters, he'd he'd say, Mom, you remember how nice those girls were who worked there? (laughs) Like, remember, they're just so nice. (laughs) And they were super, super nice, but I couldn't help but feel that, like, in his... Even at four years old, his, like, male mind just thought, you know, there's something about those girls I really, really like. <laughs> so so that was the Cobb Parkway, uh, Hooters, which I loved. But this year, I think I'm probably going to be around the corner at the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 premiere weekend. That's what, that's what that same kid decided that I would love for Mother's Day was <laughs> to see Guardians of the Galaxy. And I will love it. I will love it. And uh, that is right up my alley. So, so we're, I hope you have a great Mother's Day weekend. We are going to have a great show today because so much has been going on in the news this week. And I, I have really been focusing on it and trying to figure out what is truly going on with the Russian hacking, what I consider to be a PSYOP, a psychological operation, this political theater that we're being exposed to. I think that I have really gotten some amazing insights into what the real objectives of that PSYOP are from like a policy perspective. I picked that stuff up from Clapper and Yates, James Clapper and Sally Yates on Monday. They had a hearing in front of the Senate 
And I didn't hear anybody talking about what they actually said. And one of the what I feel they did, and I'm going to play clips of this later on in the show, really uh, develop it for you so you can hear it for yourself. But they highlighted three policy agenda items. They both of them separately, and I feel like it was definitely coordinated because these were the kind of three items, and they repeated them. One was increase federal influence and maybe ultimately control over elections. And then on Friday, Trump put out an executive order that I consider to be the first step in that. Then the second thing was to make sure that people are, quote, educated on what the nature of the news they're reading. So they should be alerted that some of what they're reading could be fake news. So to me, that means there's going to be some way to officially sanction news or indicate to people what news they should and shouldn't believe. I've been seeing that coming for a while. I've written about that. And then the third thing was Clapper called once again for the USIA on steroids. USIA was a Cold War propaganda arm where we went out to foreign countries and tried to present the U.S. in a good light and Russia in a bad light. Not, you know, I understand in the Cold War, we were super, my family, super anti-communist. We loved Radio Free Europe. I think what Clapper is talking about is actually... uh, could be used against us. There's there's some reason to believe that they turn that stuff against us, the domestic audience. So I feel like those are the policy uh, objectives of this Russian hacking psyop. But I feel like there are more uh, like this. This theatrical presentation is going to continue and have some real impact. I think we're gonna. Uh, you know, I almost wonder if it gets down to being as base as. The election, the campaign, all the media circus from last year, which I called the election, a reality show. There's a, like a big hole in, in the mainstream media. There's no circus to televise. So what if special prosecutor season two, you know, whatever, the election season two, the special prosecutor or the impeachment season one, you know, what are we talking about this new reality show, this new circus event uh, real or or manufactured is something that that's just going to feed the machine at the most base level. But then there are other things which a, a circus like that will distract from policies that might otherwise be unpopular, escalating war, for example. Or uh, maybe it'll be an excuse for the GOP or a method, a device from the left to keep Trump from uh, instituting any of his campaign promises and maybe he even wants that maybe he doesn't maybe he doesn't uh didn't really mean it you know and this will give him cover i mean i don't know what his complicity in all this is but i do feel like these are some of the things that might come out of such a circus uh and i and i also can't help but feel this continued uh crackdown on our rights the focus on surveillance has shifted from us wanting our privacy to people like Trump and others saying that the government actors are the ones who need their privacy that surveilling them eavesdropping on their conversations is like a violation of their privacy but we should be in favor of that we want to hear that unless they should have to apply specifically on a case-by-case basis to keep things off the record uh, and have a good reason for it because there are agents. If you had a lawyer, you wouldn't want him uh, representing you and then telling you he wasn't going to tell you what he said or did. Like, that's the wrong way of looking at it. And I feel like this Russian hacking thing is going to have a lot of different 
impacts like that. And and it all started, or, or I feel like it got new legs. It got its second wind when uh, when Trump fired Comey on Tuesday in a very public way. Uh, the timing felt funny. I personally think there's a great excuse for the timing that nobody's really talking about. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I think about that, but I want to hear what you think. What do you think the real reason behind the Comey firing was and, uh, and, and maybe the method and the timing? I mean, what do, you, what do you interpret about it? And I'm not asking you to just go down the rabbit hole. There are absolutely opposing viewpoints on the left and the right. There are so many stories going around out there, and it seems like no real investigating. So I want to know what you think about what your gut tells you about the the why and when of the Comey firing. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Uh, my producer Binkley here has some uh, tweets, I think, on the topic. Do you have anything on point, Binkley, on this uh, Comey or the when and why or of the Comey firing? I do. I have one from Corey, California, who tweets that, There might not be any real significance to Comey's firing, to be honest with you. Trump, he's an oddball who makes rash decisions, and Comey was an asshat who had it coming anyway. (laughs) Well, that certainly covers a couple of the different ideas that I had. One was, well, I should say the possibilities are that it was really that this Hillary, that Hillary email situation was handled poorly by Comey. The left thinks that the uh, Comey was getting too close to connections with Trump on Russia. And uh, some people think that it was just Trump being overly emotional. I think the Trump personality issue or even the personality back and forth here is going to be used to excuse stuff that does have a kind of deep state motive that maybe the shadow government's encouraging certain policies like Syria bombing Syria, escalating in Syria, that they're going to blame on, they're kind of uh, exaggerating a Trump persona so they can use it to act like he's just a nutcase. You know, nutcase means no motive is an okay explanation, but it's never really an okay, okay explanation. There's always a method to the madness. So these are the things I want to explore. It's, it's, we have three hours, we have till six, so I think we're going to do it, but it's quite, uh, it's, it, there are a lot of nuances here. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. 74 degrees outside the studio, a 6 on the Mellish meter. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. We're talking about the big news of the week, the Comey firing. And uh, I want to also talk a little more broadly about the Russian hacking saga. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Ron in Atlanta. Hi, Ron. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Uh, uh, we have to start connecting the dots here. Uh, now, a couple of weeks before Comey got fired, Hillary Clinton popped out of, crawled out of her hole and was talking a lot of stuff about the election, about how Comey uh, uh, was part of her not winning. Remember just a couple of days ago? Yes, now, yes, right now, before that, yep. Now she disappeared. You don't hear a peep out of her yeah. now. Because you know why? Because now she's afraid that her protection is gone. And now he's going to get a new FBI director that's going to look into uh, to reopen her cases. This is nothing but a shadow government 
part of Obama. Comey was part of the shadow government of Obama. Hold on, Ron. I got to correct you. Two things that you're giving me here that I think are big. One is that actually I, I think it's interesting what Hillary said. The reason she lost was, you know, the big outside reason other than her own incompetence or whatever was Comey's press conference, October 28th, which was a result. She didn't say this, but it, what that was spurred by Anthony Weiner's laptop, not by the Russian hacking st- the alleged, which I don't believe anyway, not. So she actually completely neutered this whole idea that Russia was the deciding factor. That's one thing. And the second thing is, I think I would uh, say be cautious about calling the Russian uh, calling the deep state Obama holdovers because the deep state, the shadow government, in my opinion, rises above parties. But you got 20 seconds. Tell me what else you got. Well, the, what I got is this is a this is a coup. This is the Republican establishment working along with the Democratic establishment. You notice the Republicans never back Trump at all. They leave yeah. him out to die. It's the Repub- They don't want they are trying to overthrow Trump. They're working together coordinated attack between a Republican Party and a Democratic Party. I agree that it's a coordinated attack. I I think there's a chance that Trump is just playing a role and doesn't know or even care (laughs) how he comes out. He was a wrestling guy. Maybe he doesn't mind being the villain. Uh, Laura, John, hang on. You're next. Great calls coming up. Or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show, 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6. And I don't just give you the libertarian slant, libertarian viewpoint or perspective. I have a different view of the news a lot of times because I'm not stuck in the two-party uh paradigm where uh, my party right or wrong. So I see the Comey firing as having these two sides actually coined a term last year, the art of ambiguity, where they take the media pushes stories, does not actually really dig in and give you facts and give you sources and, and tell you the real story, try to figure it all out. Like when you're watching cable news, it doesn't, it doesn't crack the code for you. It actually fosters this kind of Either side could be right. So if you read the Wall Street Journal, you feel like Comey was fired because he was incompetent and uh, Rosenstein, the uh, assistant or a deputy attorney general, wrote a memo to that effect. If you read the New York Times, you're going to be absolutely convinced that Comey was asking for more money and was getting too close to some uh, smoking guns on Russia and the Trump campaign. Uh, I think... I don't think either of those – I think those are there to create this conflict situation. And one thing that I did not hear coming out of the right at all, but it would be such a simple, easy explanation, would actually probably put an end to all this speculation about the timing. The real thing about the Comey firing is if he got fired right away, people would have understood as soon as Trump took office. But he didn't. So why this week? You know, why? Well, last week – so the Rosenstein – memo says uh, Comey people don't emphasize this but it says Comey broke ranks he he thought Loretta on May 3rd in front of the Senate so two weeks ago whatever he said he thought Loretta 
Lynch was not competent at, or, or she should recuse herself or whatever. She was conflicted. And he needed to go over her head. Well, what he should have done, the protocol would be go to Sally Yates, who was the deputy attorney general. But he didn't. He took it into his own hands. So Rod Rosenstein is now the deputy attorney general. And on May 3rd, Comey said, I would have done the same thing again. So all Rosenstein would have had to say is, this guy is insubordinate. I cannot do my job because I have the responsibility to exercise that authority. And if I have a subordinate who's going to go over my head, publicly stated that he would, I have to remove that person, whether I like him or not. And that, that would have put an end to it, in my opinion. And it's a totally plausible explanation. So why is no, you know, nobody reads it that way. The drama is the whole purpose of this thing, it feels like to me. And there's like another level of the drama, which is I've seen this unrolled during this week, that Trump, now they're per- portraying his persona as off the wall or unpredictable or impulsive or personal. Uh, they have him quoted as saying, Comey uh, is a showboat and somebody, some anonymous source said he heard Trump quip, which I totally don't believe. Oh, this guy's more famous than me. And I'm thinking, really? Okay. I don't, I don't, (laughs) why these unattributed quotes are worth nothing in my opinion. So now I see them creating this persona around Trump, emphasizing his persona, making it bizarre. It goes right into this Nixon Watergate vibe they're trying to promote. And what it will do is it will allow Trump to do crazy things, to get out of line, to um, try to end run his cabinet and stuff like that. Just he could get so much done. And if you call him like a nut, unpredictable, impulsive, loose cannon, he can do tons of stuff. He can bomb countries and you never have to follow the money or say QE bono, like who benefits. You never have to look for the motive and find the real shadow government that really pulls the strings if what you're saying is, well, this guy's just a nut job. I mean, it's the classic lone nut, you know, excuse for for all these major events in history or certainly in the 20th century assassinations that clearly had people killed by their enemies. And you just say lone nut. And uh, and then the the real actors, the real contractors get away with it. And I think that's part of what's being unfolded here. So let's take some calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let's get to some tweets. Uh, my producer Binkley is here. Binkley, what do you have by way of tweets? Well, I have a tweet from Michael Ray. He says that if the left's coup is successful, I'm afraid the country will be more violent than you can imagine. What are people to do when their choice gets overturned by covert means? That actually plays in a bit to the call we got before the break from Ron saying that this is like uh, the Republicans and Democrats are conspiring against Trump. He called the shadow government Obama holdovers, which is not how I've always seen the shadow government. And it's certainly not what that word has meant historically. What that word means is the government behind the government above and beyond parties and elections. And that, I think, is very real. And this idea that that. Republicans and Democrats are in on this circus. I agree with that, but I haven't dismissed the possibility that Trump is in on it, too, because he does things that really plays into it. For example, this week of all weeks, he had he met with Lavrov, the foreign minister of Russia. And for whatever that's like 
I don't know. I don't care. I don't actually think there's anything to that Russia stuff. But he's there with Lavrov and for whatever reason does not allow the U.S. press in the room, but does allow the Russian press as if he could not (laughs) trust the U.S. press, but could rely on Russian propaganda to depict the meeting well. I mean, it was just so loaded with implications and the same giant picture of him yucking it up with Lavrov and the other guy, um, Keslinski, I forget his name, but he's the guy who's the center of the sessions recusal and the Flynn firing. Uh, So he's there yucking it up with these guys. Same picture, Wall Street Journal, New York Times. The optics are ridiculous. And people knew that they're, you know, that that isn't an accident. And then later in the week, he tweets, Comey better hope there are no uh, tape recordings of our conversations, something like that. That's not a direct quote. But that is like a bomb, like it's just lighting a bomb off that plays right into this Nixon idea. And then you get this whole cascade of headlines that say he's paranoid, blah, blah, blah. So uh, I think that we are being uh, given a show and I think there are reasons for it. And I'm going to tell you what I think the reasons are. But I want to hear if you think I'm right or wrong about the show. Uh, what you think is really behind the Comey thing, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to John and Flowery Branch. Hi, John. You're on with Monica. Hi. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I, uh, I, I look at it I look at it kind of from a business standpoint, that when you have companies that work and they do something, they build something, and they have like this internal structure, and you make one small change, there's a little bit of revolt. And the larger the change gets, the larger the revolt gets, and the crazier the revolt gets. I mean, it happens in my organization, uh, so I'm not just saying this ambiguously. And it's it's interesting because people who don't want the change, usually they're protecting something that they're failing at or not doing right. So in this case, what do you think is actually happening? Oh, I think that everybody in the government, because like if you, you, they call some CEOs hatchet men because they come into companies and they start looking at the numbers and looking at what the processes are and they say, guess what? You're fired, you're fired, you're fired. We're changing this. We're not doing that anymore because that's really dumb. And then all of a sudden, everybody starts going, the, the really good workers start scurrying around and getting in line, right? They, got, they start Yes. up what they've been doing. Oh, uh, I see. Yes. Then everybody yes, yes, else goes. Everybody else goes. We've got to stop this. No. In this meeting, we're going to make up excuses and not do. And we don't want to do this. And we're going to use the media to fight against this. And you know, all kinds of other things. You know. So I just think America is just this large, gigantic company with many, 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 many departments, and a lot of people who have a lot to lose. And somebody's coming in from an outside perspective who have, which is Trump, who has a different interpretation of what's done. So everybody's going, when he sees me doing X, he's going to think Y, Z, but Trump is seeing you do X and he's thinking ABC, that's not right. Okay, so 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 I guess. It's like his perspective scares them. Yeah, and it's not going to be uh, your interpretation. Sounds like to me is it's not business as usual. And then there's also you might have alluded to something I've noticed myself is this idea of nailing a squirrel to the tree, which is 
if the squirrels are in your yard digging up your yard, whatever, and uh, you want to just get rid of the problem, don't just try to kill the squirrels. Just kill one squirrel and nail it to the tree. And uh, and everybody else gets scared off. I remember when I was in investment banking, one of my office, my uh, whatever office neighbors would say that. And I thought it was pretty uh, cold, but it could work. I do not think that's what's going on here. I think that Comey I was absolutely out of line when he was behaving like that last year. It was totally bizarre, in my opinion, to the point where I wondered if this was part of an even larger like a big, I mean, if you think uh, the way I do sometimes, which is uh, that that we really are being put uh, a show, there's a really a show being put on for us that it gets it, it that we have virtually no control that the powers that be own all the candidates. You could never get ahead and survive. If you weren't willing to pay, play ball, specifically in this case, bomb Syria, I think that was the number one thing. And there's lots of other stuff, too, that uh, so with the Comey thing, I actually wondered if this if there was such a giant psyop that he was put in place solely for this role. And I looked and I thought to myself, let me trace back when email gate really started, which I remember because I talked about it at the time. It was when Guccifer first revealed some Sidney Blumenthal emails, which had Hillary's email server address on there. So that was the big reveal. It didn't get any information out there at the time, but that's when it started. That was in March of 2013, and Comey was put in place in September of 2013. Now, I don't know if there's any significance to that, but I I intentionally looked back to see if EmailGate and Comey started uh, you know, made the public scene at the same time, and they did. So I will go. I I am really far down the rabbit hole, and think that uh, there are huge implications to this Russia thing. That that it's really going to lead to um, domestic policy changes, foreign policy changes, possibly war, Cold War. I'm going to tell you the specifics. Uh, probably, let's say, at the top of the hour, because right after the break, I'm going to go to Isaac. So hang on, Isaac. 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. 78 is the high today, 62 the low overnight. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate. Heating and air. And I am going to Isaac in Clarkston. Isaac, you're on with Monica. Yes. Um, thank you, Monica. Um, I, I'm, I was editor uh, of a quite a big newspaper in Asia. What is happening in America is really pathetic. What New York Times or Washington Post or whoever writing those things, I call it not journalism. I call it purely yellow journalism with enmity. They are doing what they are doing. It is out of the ethics. If I was found in my, when I was editor of my own newspaper, I could fire those journalists, those who continuously practice this yellow journalism. I have a question for you. Yeah, get finish finish and then I'll ask you my question. Go. Okay. 
second thing is, Monica, we have my wife's name is also Monica. <laughs> Last election, we all, Monica, me, Patrick, Patricia, we all voted for Donald Trump. But whole of our life, we are Democrats. I even gave money to Democratic Party. I even gave money to Obama in action. But I was very upset when Obama said ISIS is not a problem. That's a very famous statement of Obama, that ISIS is not a problem. And when I found that from the point of Democratic Party, they did not do anything, I was very upset, although I was a great supporter of Democratic Party. We voted Donald Trump because we like or do not like. He is speaking something which is true, and true is very bad to digest in America. I know that very well. Well, I think that he did speak a lot of truth on the campaign trail, but I feel like whether intentionally or unintentionally, he's going to be totally derailed. I also think the yellow journalism is not just the animosity from the left, but the uh, deliberately ambiguous reporting on the right. I see this thing as as a circus that's being generated by left and right, maybe together. Tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And it is a big weekend. I-85 is opening up again. And tomorrow is Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to y'all. And I, uh, I have a very lazy hobby. I make craft cocktails. I try not to overdo it. They're not super boozy, but they are super tasty. So I like to identify a good one for a holiday here or there. And I have a great one for tomorrow. I just posted the recipe on my website, propagandareportdaily.com. It's called Long Live the Queen. Perfect for Mother's Day. It's an award-winning recipe from uh, Atlanta's, my favorite restaurant here, one of them anyway, Echo. And uh, it's super delicious. So if you want to make your mom something special and beautiful, check that out. And uh, But if you want to hear some deep and original insights into the news of the week, uh, check this out. We're going to be on till 6, and I've got some, I think, smoking guns on what the purpose, the agenda purpose, as Rahm Emanuel would say, never let a good crisis go to waste, or as my producer Binkley here tells me, uh, Edward Bernays used to say, uh, create a crisis, create an event so that you can get what you want out of it. So I think there are policy agenda items behind the Russian hacking saga uh, and that that saga will get legs, longer life, because of the Comey firing. So I want to unpack that stuff for you. I, wanna, I, I first get to 
a call, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. And then we'll get to some tweets at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to John and Alpharetta. Hi, John. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Thank you. And um, uh, I um, really want to compliment your uh, producer there on the father of Spence. That's uh, that yes. pretty intuitive of him. So, uh, yes, Binkley what... keeps us informed on uh, – he reads all the books on propaganda. Edward Bernays is your guy, right, Binkley? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very, very, very astute. Um, I just want to – I don't want to take up a lot of time here, but I just want to um, state that I agree with the Comey firing, number one. I think that Trump is, as usual, light, here, light years ahead of everybody, including his communications team and the media. Uh, and I state that because he's he's obviously well read. He he knows he knows his stuff, and he knows exactly. He probably stays up at night thinking of ways that he can manipulate the uh, the uh, the media. And and I and I I'll give you one example of that. That was the uh, the Andrew Jackson story that came out about the Civil War. We you know uh, that's a that's a factual event. I mean that's a factual thing. Even Lincoln looked back. At uh, when he, in 1861, at what uh, Jackson had said about the rebellion in South Carolina. So that's one example. But I want to po- I want to direct your attention as a libertarian toward um, toward Rand Paul and the concern that I have on this whole situation uh, is that uh, Trump has a way of pointing us toward uh, toward situations where we have to look them up ourselves. His tweets are a transparent, uh, unfiltered way of getting getting to us outside of this press that has an agenda. So if we look at what Rand Paul said recently about surveillance, and only eight people have the ability to go deep into the secrets of the CIA and things like that, I'm more concerned about the what the CIA can do unwarranted and what the FBI can do unwarranted for surveillance and what's happened in, in the, not just the previous administration, but any administration. But surveillance against the people or surveillance against people in government? Everybody. That's what that's that's exactly the point of what Rand Paul is saying recently, where where he felt he feels like obviously he's been surveilled and uh, other candidates failed during the uh, during the uh, campaign. But the, but the, but his key point is that they were doing it unwarranted and he's calling for oversight. I also I also just want to state that uh, this thing with with Comey's firing has really overloaded our um, our senators. Uh, I give kudos to Senator Perdue for reaching out immediately and stating that he supported the president. I do not so for Senator Isaacson, who I think has failed um, and has been overloaded um, negatively. Now, obviously, it's coming from constituents one way or the other, but I really give kudos to Senator Perdue for stepping up and following, and this is the key for everybody, following the Constitution. The Constitution is our compass, people. That's it. As a Republican, I know you're a libertarian, but as a Republican, the Constitution is our compass. And I'm more dedicated to the Constitution to than any Republican I know. What what constitutional uh, – what are you talking about specifically about the Constitution? Are you making a specific point about the Constitution? Absolutely. So where, where, show me – show me in, not you, but I mean I'd like for anyone to show me where Trump has failed the Constitution, where he, where he has failed his oath to the Constitution, because that's our compass. That's what we measure everything by. Yeah. Uh, well, that's you know, a big so, – yeah, that's a big uh, – Question: I actually have a constitutional issue with his executive order on the election. Uh, he put out an executive order last week uh, talking about federal oversight, I guess, on the elections. And I want to get into that. I want to. Uh, it's a big topic, and I have some 
clips here I want to play to introduce that topic because I think this federal oversight of elections, which is unconstitutional, Article 2, Section 1, says how the legislature of each state uh, – decides the manner in which electors are chosen full stop there is nothing else there so the federal government should have nothing to do with it and that's what clapper yates um and i think probably trump now and i know flynn the dhs guy uh, are all in favor of having more federalized approach to the elections and i do not like that and i do think it's unconstitutional i think comey should have been fired immediately by obama last year when he uh, went over the head outside of the chain of command with the attorney general, he should never have, uh, and he stated on May 3rd that he deliberately, knowingly, and would do it again, took the power away from the attorney general and didn't go to the deputy attorney general, who was not conflicted. So he should have been fired immediately. That's true. Uh But I do not think that government agents should have privacy. I think if they have a specific reason to be private, then they should have to ask for that, which is the exact opposite of how I think private citizens should be treated. They need a specific warrant. So they're asking for all Trump's financial records. That's what the Senate wants. I don't know about when you're dealing with government corruption or whatever they're accusing him of, but as a general rule, you can't just ask for everything. You have to ask for something specific and say what it is you want because you can't just ask for everything so that you go on what's called a fishing expedition. You can find it's there's a good chance you're going to find something screwy in anybody's background. That's not what the government's allowed to do. But when it comes to government agents, I feel like they're in their official capacity. They should have total transparency unless they have a provable reason to keep it private. So this focus that Trump and everybody else has on surveillance of Flynn, on unmasking, I think is totally misdirected. And people are getting enraged and outraged and saying, we need to, uh, you know, button this up. It's like, no. The leaks were information coming to us. And if they were, I mean, it seems like a setup to me, but the information was coming to us. So I think that's a good thing, and I'd like it to continue. Uh, Let me get to Jim in Athens. Jim, you're on with Monica. Yes, Monica. You know, I I find it rather perplexing that early in in, in, uh, Trump's presidency or just before he was elected, Chuck Schumer came on uh, TV and talked about how, and laughingly, that the CIA would take him out. If he became president, or I don't remember that specifically. They only showed it a few times. I believe it was just on Fox, but you know it's pretty obvious what's going on here, and I just don't understand how these people are able to tell this lie day after day after day after day, and nobody asked us the, the, the simple questions, you know, like Hannity and so forth. If they would just get these people on and say, "Is the president?" Uh, under investigation in the Russian hack. And what's yes, the no. what's the evidence? What is even the accusation? The accusation is that uh, despite what's more likely, that the emails were leaked, the DNC stuff, the Podesta stuff, it's more likely they were leaked than hacked. It's more likely that Russia would be able to cover its tracks. But even if... So let's see the evidence of that. And even so, what's the big crime? You know, I mean, these were... Emails that are not denied. You know, the crime was scuttling Bernie Sanders' campaign. You know, like the crime was the crime. So 
I don't even think it's that big a deal. And I think they are deliberately, the left and the right, the media and the politicians, are deliberately making this confusing, obfuscating it, making it ambiguous, so that this drama continues. One, because it gives them airtime, which they just happen to like, and the media can make a lot of money that way. But also because... They're going to get a lot out of it. And I darn it did not get to my clips. So I'm going to play the clips coming right out of the break. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Sunny tomorrow, Mother's Day, high of 83. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. So here's the thing. On Monday... Sally Yates, the deputy attorney general last year and until she was fired this year, and Clapper, James Clapper, a known perjurer and uh, intelligence head, were testifying in front of the Senate. And Chuck Grassley, uh, he asked them a question. So he uh, there's two interesting things about this clip I'm about to play for you of Chuck Grassley uh, First of all, he just assume, he just makes this statement, and, and, and unless I'm hallucinating, I believe he is a Republican, he makes a statement that we all know that the Russian hacking thing is real. These guys keep making those statements because you're allowed to lie in the Senate. You're allowed to lie on the Senate floor, and there's no consequences. I discovered that when Harry Reid said, talk smack about Mitt Romney's taxes, which were just was like made up, but they can say whatever they want, and they do. And then uh, he also tees it up for Yates and Clapper to tell us the policy that we're going to get crammed down upon from this, what I consider to be manufactured crisis. So let's hear clip one. The fact that Russia tried to meddle in all of in our democracy is obviously an affront to all Americans. We have to punish Russia and we have to deter all nations from these shenanigans. Uh, do you too believe that the government's response so far has been enough to deter future attacks of this kind? And if not, what else would you think we should be doing? So there's just so many things <laughs> annoying about that clip. First of all, <laughs> what is Raisha? Raisha. The rapper. Isn't that what you get, like the yogurt stuff at the Indian restaurant? Yeah, it's uh, ethnic. <laughs> but I mean, anyway, I think he meant Russia. <laughs> and he said the fact that Russia is doing this stuff is an affront to all Americans. Like, just throws that out there. And they all did it. Like, I, I watched hours of testimony of Yates, Clapper, Comey from last week. And this, everybody just gratuitously throws out there, <laughs> you know, just these accusations about Russia. Isn't it? Uh, I, I Hopefully I can get to more of those. <laughs> But what this guy is doing, what Grassley is doing, is he's teeing it up for Yates and Clapper to tell us the agenda. So on Monday, when I first heard this, I was like, I don't care what happens this week. Nothing, nothing could possibly happen this week that's going to scoop me <laughs> or like uh, Trump this story. This is what I'm doing on the show, because it. I have been wondering what the Russian hacking psyop was about since the beginning, because... Obama teed it up with those weird sanctions around Christmas time. And I was like, why is he doing that out the door? It's obviously to provoke a, a reaction. And then what you're about to hear next, I think, is the real agenda 
that's on tap for this Russian hacking. I also have some great calls. Maurice, John, Corey, hang on. I want to get your take on it. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am the libertarian voice on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6. Trying to give you a little bit of a deeper perspective, uh, maybe uh, a more objective perspective on the stories that there seems to always be a tug of war between, let's say, Fox and CNN the left and the right and the media and the government. And I think they, they on purpose, deliver this stuff ambiguously. So we're talking about the two ways to think about the Comey firing. But I actually think that is the, the kind of secondary story from this week. I might be the only person who thinks that. But for uh, what I thought was more important was the Senate hearings on Monday with James Clapper and Sally Yates, where the clip I played before the break just now was Senator Chuck Grassley saying we need to punish Russia for what they did, which, of course, I don't even think they did anything. He certainly hasn't proven that they have. But he asked them, he kind of teased up this question to Yates and Clapper. Have we done enough to deter future attacks of this kind and if not what should we do <laughs> you know just just lay it right up for him and uh so sally Yates and james clapper saying it in different ways basically enumerate the same three policy uh suggestions advice so i'll let you listen to uh sally Yates, and then i'm going to take some calls and we'll do the Clapper one, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. This is Sally Yates asking, answering Chuck Grassley, what should we do? Clip two. I think they're coming back, Senator, and I think that we have to do a whole lot more, both to harden our election systems, our state election systems, to ensure that um, folks out there know when they're looking at news feeds that it may not be real news that they're reading. Um, I I think that we have to do more to deter um, the Russians, and it it wouldn't hurt to prosecute a few folks, but I I don't think we should kid ourselves that we'll be able to prosecute our way out of this problem. So she's telling us to harden our election systems, so that's a federal, you know, this is the Senate, so she's telling him what the federal government should do. Then she wants to make sure there's a way to tell people when they're looking at news feeds that I'm just going to say she does not approve of, you know, because who's to say uh, whose judgment are we going to use to warning fake news? And then uh, she said, we have to do more to deter the Russians. We can prosecute a few people, but that's not going to be enough. We need to do something else. Actually, uh, let me just wait one more minute on the calls and play you the clapper clip because it really emphasizes what Sally just said in different words, which to me is like your classic advertising method. Or or if you read a self-help book, they say the same thing in different ways repeatedly. And by the end, it's in your head. So let's hear Clapper clip three. Okay, Mr. Clapper. Well, as uh, much as I love 
uh, congressional hearings, I think there is a useful purpose, sir, because I think the most important thing that needs to be done here is to educate the electorate as to what uh, the Russians' uh, objective is and the tactics and techniques and procedures that they have, have employed and will continue to employ. And, uh, and I, I predict it will be uh, against all the parties. And so uh, I think education uh, uh, of the public is the most important thing we, we can do. And this hearing, grudgingly though I admit it, uh, serves that purpose to the extent that, it, that this can be shared openly. So you're down I do think that. as well there needs to be um, more done in the way of sanctions uh, to, uh, to the Russians or any other uh, government that uh, attempts to interfere in our election process. So – Clapper actually elaborates on more stuff. I'm going to hold off for a second on that. But what he said, and I think Binkley, you, um, my producer Binkley's here, and he's an expert, I would say, having read, like, everything Edward Bernays ever wrote, like, more than once, who's the father of propaganda and the nephew of Sigmund Freud. Mm -hmm. Doesn't this, this stuff totally smack of his techniques? Well, he uses that phrase, educate the public, when he's talking about propagandizing the public in all of his books. Bernays. Yeah, that's his phrase for let's propagandize. But he'll even say to make up, to actually create events. Create to... news. Yeah, that's, you have to, he says you can't wait around for news to happen. You, you set in motion events to create news that pushes forward the uh, point of view that you want to push forward. So that's, so for me, that's what these what these guys are recommending and the way they're recommending it is uh, they want to get certain policy agenda items across and they are using this crisis manufactured or real to do it. And Sally Yates laid it out succinctly, the three things she wants to harden the elections. She wants to uh, um, curate the news and she wants to, do something to react to the Russians. Clapper so far in that quote said, educate the electorate, which is propagandize them. So I think she's talking about censorship. He's talking about propaganda. He also wants to punish the Russians. He's going to elaborate on that in, in a later clip I'm going to play. But these are these are the policy takeaways. This this is the, the basic policy uh, impact of the Russian hack, in my opinion. I'll flesh it out a little bit more. Let's go to some calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to go to John in Flowery Branch. Hi, John. You're on with Monica. How you doing, Monica? Good. How are you so, doing? I, I'm, I'm doing great. What I, I would like people to understand is that Trump literally wanted revenge on Obama, and he took his opportunity to go after him once Obama roasted him at that one dinner. And he used to his advantage the open media, which is, you know, like Twitter, stuff like that. He used, he allowed the American people to actually research and come across information. And it opened up a chink in the armor of the Republicans and the Democrats. You know, I've heard that argument before, and I don't really buy it because 
Ron Paul was the guy who was a real threat to the Republicans because he wanted smaller government. I actually think Trump is an answer to that. I don't I, I think this idea that there's personal animosity between Trump and Obama, that Trump is emotional, impulsive, if he's a real threat to the establishment, I've put that to bed. I, to me, once he bombed Syria, it was very clear and and uh and and the way he's going about the way it looks like his agenda is is easily derailed, is not being effectively rolled out. I just, if he actually went in and shook up the system, you know, the proof would be in the pudding. But I don't think that's how it's happening. And I and I even think like the Twitter thing. I I I'm like the only one who I've heard say this. I don't think he's just popping off on Twitter with nobody looking. I don't believe it. I think this stuff is crafted. I actually read an article years ago or was written years ago. I've read it several times since then. A Mother Jones article that figured out where his tweets were coming from and determined that it was unlikely he was actually tweeting. Now, it could be that he's saying stuff and somebody else is tweeting it, but that person that person is just a, a, a conduit, a vehicle. I don't really buy that. I don't. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's, I gave it the benefit of the doubt for a while, but I just don't see it unfolding that way. Maury and Atlanta, you're on with Monica. Maury or Maurice? It's Lori. Lori. Oh, Lori. Hey, Lori. Hey, hey, Monica. How are you? Good. What you got? Um, I wanted to say that, uh, my opinion is that Trump fired Comey because he thinks he is the leak. He thinks he's the one, after he watched the hearings and things came out that were only supposed to be between him and Comey, I think he, he decided um, that he was the leak, and so he got rid of him. What makes you think that? I haven't heard that before. Just you, just your hunch, your gut? Um, no, I just, I read a lot, and, and it's, um, he, I read some stuff that Trump said that he, he thought that, um, it was only supposed to be, he had that dinner with him, and it was only between those two, and then all of a sudden, the stuff started coming out. Oh, that's, oh, you know, it's very weird, because I noticed the sources in a lot of these articles said, a close confidant of Comey, or Comey told a friend of his, I'm like, that is the weirdest way of doing a source. You know, it's hearsay, it's right. third party. Right. Uh, that's an interesting underlying idea, and I will say, it seems that there are, there's a lot of like there are these big uh, Comey got fired because of email gate or um, because he got too close to Russia. So those are the big headlines on Fox and CNN. And then I feel like there are these little sub headlines that uh, that we're supposed to pick up on also that try to puzzle through what's really going on. I am still of the opinion and I know I am now possibly a minority of one that this stuff is theater that that maybe even the actors Comey and Trump are improv or don't even know, but that it's it's serving a purpose, an intentional purpose and a purpose that I am identifying as these policy issues and then some bigger picture stuff I want to get to about um, how it's going to impact kind of the world and the country going forward. I think uh so I, I don't think it's as simple as that, but I appreciate the idea. I'm going to go to Arthur in Stone Mountain. Hi, Arthur. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Hey. Um, yeah, I get, isn't it, shouldn't we be investigating our own government for interfering in Israel, Israel's elections? Trying to, you know, when did we, I mean, I'm not, I would 
oh. be surprised if we didn't interfere well, in well, Israel's elections. Came over and spent like something like two hundred thirty thousand dollars to influence the election against Bibi Netanyahu. We tried um, to influence against Netanyahu. Are you saying like right. an Obama thing? Correct. What about doesn't like Israel affect our elections? Don't they all kind of kiss well, the ring of IPAC? Doing, doing it to everyone else. Yeah. So. Yeah. I know that's that was something that I was thinking. I was like, is it just Russia you have a problem with? I mean, what about the other kind? The UK for sure. Uh, some people think that our central bank basically is an arm of the city of London. That that we are really deeply entrenched in doing other people's bidding for them. Why why well, is Russia a problem? The three what is it? The three uh, city states that rule the world: uh, the Vatican, city of London, and then DC. You know. No, Tel Aviv, right? Don't people think it, it, the conspiracy theory stuff is like City of London, the Vatican, and Tel Aviv? And it was funny because Trump's first big foreign trip is going to be the Vatican and Tel Aviv and Saudi Arabia, which I always thought was, you know, kind of wag the dog thing, or I don't know. But one quick question: Yeah, who do you think are the puppet masters? Then we got these. Pu- every- I, that I do not like. I look at a triangle. I see. You know, if you if you go back, you can go back to the UK and World War One, manipulating the Middle East. So maybe it's still them. You can go back further than that and look at. Uh, I mean, some people think that it that the original bankers in in um Florence or whatever in Italy way back hundreds of years ago that they established the power base and never let it go. I mean some people think it's even earlier than that that the Knights Templar kind of predate that and think it's kind of borderline ancient. I really do not know the answer and what I try to focus on when I think about that is what really matters, it doesn't matter at all who's pulling the strings, because if we guard the strings, if we if we defend, and I, I love the Bill of Rights. I mean, I'm a hardcore libertarian. It's, it's probably not strong enough for me. But if we defended the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, we wouldn't actually need to try to figure out who was doing what. We just should go down, uh, you know, fall on our swords for that stuff, which is why I loved Ron Paul. He had a track record of it. He would talk about it. And so when an earlier caller said Trump has never done anything against the Constitution, in his inaugural address, he said, the oath I just took is a pledge of allegiance to the people of America. But the oath he actually took was to defend and protect the Constitution. You need to stay focused on that, really understand it, and then you don't actually need to know who's doing what. You don't even have to care about the election if you hold your representatives to that standard. It doesn't matter. It's really the policy they're trying to affect, right? Not the people. So, um, great call. Thanks, Arthur. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's 71 degrees outside the studio. Skies are clearing up. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And I am going to go to Jim in McDonough. Jim, you are on with Monica. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm so glad to talk to you. Uh, awesome. The problem, I listen to the television. I talk, hear all these people. And I've been studying the Constitution and the Declaration for the last three years. And the problem in this country today is people do not understand the Constitution and realize that the Constitution came from the Bill of Rights. I mean, came from the Declaration of Independence. Yes. The Declaration in the preamble talks about we are endowed by our creator 
So A, number one, there is a creator over all men. And the rights that we get that come from the creator or God, whichever way you want to look at it, the government has no right to touch. That's the Bill of Rights, the first ten amendments. Do you think that holds true for everyone on Earth? We can vote on how wide we want a sidewalk, how fast we want our speed limits. We can't determine what sex we are, who we can marry, male or female. Those things are out of the realm of our government in this country. I hate to do this to you because I have, like, no time. Sorry, I didn't realize this. But, Jim, I have a quick question for you. Do you think that every single person born on this earth has those God-given rights? Certainly. See, a lot of people miss that. I love it that you answered that correctly. I will ask people that, and they're like, no. It stops at the borders, you know? Super sorry, Jim. I had to cut you off. I've got another hour, though, if you want to call back. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to lay out some constitutional stuff, Jim, so you stay tuned. You're going to love it. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. It is uh, a it has been a very busy news week and uh, I'm looking forward to a really fun tomorrow. It's Mother's Day. I'm I'm not big not big into presents, not big into the Hallmark holiday, but I have to say I got a couple of great presents from my kids when they were little the funniest ones i got one was my youngest son i think he might even still be in preschool and they had like you know write a card to your mom and write what she looks like and write what you know her favorite food and what she likes to do so it said what it was my favorite thing to do and my son wrote in there play with legos (laughs) 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 which i loved because it made me feel like best mom in the world that not only was a playing with legos but he just thought he was making my day playing with legos but my daughter (laughs) who's a year older and like way savvier i hope they're not listening super savvy (laughs) she they were making bookmarks for us and for the moms and the teacher told them to put the mom's hobby in the bookmark right in the bookmark so my daughter wrote a narco capitalism radio host and the teacher's like, is that, what is, the, I never even heard of that. Are you sure? And she's like, oh, yes, I'm absolutely sure. Yes, yes, I am. So I actually took a picture of it. I don't have it anymore. I can't find it, but I took a picture of it. So if you want to go to my Facebook page, go to MonicaPerezShow.com. And if you click through the Facebook, you can see a picture of it. It's very funny. And if you like it, like my page. <laughs> then I'll know. I mean, I never, ever asked for that, but I think it would be, you know, kind of fun to see if anybody's, you know, engaging out there. Um <laughs> So, but we have had quite a week, and everybody's really focused on the Comey firing. But uh, for me, I thought the more important stuff was the Yates-Clapper hearing in the Senate on Monday. And I really, I want to play some more clips of that. I've got some constitutional points I have to make. Uh, Trump put out some executive orders, I feel, we need to 
brush up on the Constitution a little bit in order to evaluate. Binkley, do you have any tweets you want to kind of lead us off on? First, let me throw out the number, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. If you want to tweet at me, you can tweet it at Monica Perez Show. What do you got? Anything. I don't care. Well, I have a tweet from Corey where uh, he says, should Congress enact the 25th Amendment to replace Trump? Why aren't they already doing so? And what would that entail? Oh, yes. The 25th Amendment is really interesting because I'd heard about it. I hadn't even heard of it before. A couple of months ago, I was listening to a podcast. I can't remember the guy's name. I'll have to I'll have to post that podcast on our website, PropagandaReportDaily.com, and tweet it later when I, when I can track it down. But he mentioned the 25th Amendment, which was kind of established, this guy was saying, in the wake of JFK's assassination because it was an acknowledgment, according to this guy, it was an acknowledgment that the deep state had JFK assassinated because they could not tolerate him and that the compromise position would be to put this amendment in so that they didn't have to actually kill anybody else. They could just <laughs> remove him from office. So I, I was interested in the 25th Amendment, so I looked it up. And then I about a week or two ago, I tweeted about it because I, I heard somebody throw it out there, and I'm thinking, nobody's just throwing out the 25th Amendment. I mean, in my I went to Stanford Law School. I'd never even heard of it. So uh, I, I knew it was coming. And, you know, and if somebody's throwing it out there, somebody else is going to be throwing it out there. And, and lo, it is being thrown out more and more. The relevant point, I actually highlighted that without before I, I didn't see that tweet, but it says, whenever the vice president and a majority of either the principal officers of the executive departments, I guess that would be the cabinet, or of such body as Congress may by law provide, transmit to the president pro tempore of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives their written declaration that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, the vice president shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting president. So the vice president and, uh, and, and some mob of his choosing, I guess, principal officers of the executive department, or such other body as Congress may by law provide. That's pretty vague. Is that other body? I don't know. Like the uh, Board of McDonald's? I mean, what is that? <laughs> so anyways, the majority of of one of these two groups can uh, uh, replace the president with the vice president. I, I don't know. what He didn't do anything. I don't think he did anything. Trump didn't do anything. His tweets are... are I think carefully calculated, but but some might view them as irresponsible, but they're just tweets. I mean, you know, I just <laughs> I don't know what they're worried about. I don't like the uh, I don't like his ex- his executive order on the elections that he put out on Friday, which I had absolutely tweeted on Monday. The feds are moving in on the elections. I tweeted a long time ago that Trump made this. Throw, seemingly throwaway comment. Yeah, you know, maybe uh, the popular vote should should rule the day, or maybe elections should be federal. You know, I'm like, wait, wait, no, 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 they should not. Like he throws this stuff out there, and you think, oh, he's his impulsive, thoughtless tweets. Like, no, <laughs> you know, there aren't that many of them. You can keep up with them, and they mean something. So what he this executive order ha- it, it asks for. Uh, basically a committee to evaluate uh, a few things. And this is what it asks for. The three things that it asks for, this executive order that he put out last week, is 
that a commission should study the registration and voting processes used in the federal elections and identify, number one, the laws, rules, policies, activities, strategies, and practices that enhance the American people's confidence in the integrity of the voting processes used in federal elections. Number two is it should identify the ones that undermine the American people's confidence in the integrity of the voting processes. So so let me just tell you what that those two, his top two out of three, the first two out of three purposes of this executive order is to identify what gives the American people confidence in or takes confidence away from the voting process. So it's a confidence game. <laughs> you know, it's a, it is a confidence game. That's what the voting is. It's a confidence game. So then the third one finally gets to identify the vulnerabilities in voting systems and practices used for federal elections that could lead to improper voter registrations and improper voting, including fraudulent registrations and fraudulent voting. So, I I would be okay with that, except it is absolutely positively not within the purview of the federal government to address that at all. The electors, he's talking about federal elections. The in and I'm saying specifically with respect to the electors of the presidential election, Article Two, Section One. I tweeted this. I did not underline it. So let me make sure I've got it right. Yes, it says, uh, Article 2, Section 1, each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the number of senators plus representatives, blah, blah, blah. So it's crystal clear the states get to decide how they want to choose elect electors. That's all. And... If they want to choose, I, I mean, I, honestly, according to this, the only other stuff in the Constitution that talks about voting is some of the amendments that talk about you can't discriminate on the basis of uh, age, gender, race. Uh, you can't have a head tax, which is like a poll tax. You can't just charge somebody if they don't. You can't disenfranchise people because they don't pay taxes. But you could choose any choose it any way you want. So if California wants to throw away its electors on the choice of illegal immigrants, according it's it's the it's a state's rights issue, honestly. So I don't like federal interference in the elections, but that's what's coming. And that's what we heard earlier in these clips. I'm going to play you a couple of more. Uh, I wonder if I have let me let me just take a call real quick. I'm going to Anthony and Snellville. Anthony, you're on with Monica. Uh, good afternoon, Ms. Perez. Just now, it's more like a couple of comments, really, more than questions. Yeah. Uh, particularly a comment concerning Maxine Waters. How can she say that it would have been okay if Hillary Clinton was president? It would have been okay if she fired uh, Mr. Comey. But it's not okay for President Trump to do it. And number two, I said from the beginning when uh, Trump first took office that Comey has to go. And he should have fired him right then and there. And I'm okay with Trump firing Mr. Comey. That's my comments. Awesome. Thank you so much, Anthony. I totally agree with you. He should have been fired immediately. Obama should have fired him. It was outrageous that Obama did not fire him. You know who else should have fired him? Loretta Lynch, except for that he saved her butt. He stepped in. She was going to have to 
decide what to do. And he said, she's conflicted. Uh, I'm in control here, you know. But he could have gone to Sally Yates. He absolutely broke ranks. And if they just said that right now what happened was Rosenstein, whose authority Comey basically said he would not respect. On May 3rd, Comey said if he had to do it over again, he would have. That means he did not go to Sally Yates is what he was supposed to do. Today's Sally Yates is Rod Rosenstein, who made that memo. This should be a nothing burger, but nobody on the left or the right or the media or the government said what I just said. And it should put the whole matter to rest. Thank you for the call, Anthony. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. High today of 78. Tomorrow's high, 83. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And uh, I'm going to go to Charlie in Smyrna. Hi, Charlie. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Not bad. Hey, I just uh, was hearing you talk about the uh, President Trump's executive order on uh, reviewing the election process, and you sounded more concerned than uh, than I thought uh, the, that I that I took from the executive order. What I understood was that he was just uh, getting a, a group of uh, secretaries of state from various states to study the process and then and then come up with a report about. Um, uh, positives and negatives for voter registration. And what's the point of it? Yeah, well, you sound... When I was what do you think the, the point is? Oh, I think to uh, uh, to make sure that uh, some of the states that uh, are issuing driver's licenses to illegals, uh, there's not an easy path uh, to register than to vote in elections. Is uh, I understood it from listening to at least one of the secretaries of state this week that uh, they had requested access to uh, some of the people who were listed uh, here legally but not uh, not a resident, and they were denied access, uh, I think, in the past administration from getting access to cross-check that against their voter rolls. Well, in California, I remember distinctly that they – would, when you get your driver's license there, you have the voter registration behind it. And I personally knew numerous immigrants, not citizens. I don't think they were illegal, but no, not illegal, but not citizens, immigrants, who told them, I can't vote. And they said, oh, yeah, just fill it out. You can. <laughs> so it's no secret to, you know, it's a policy. It's a statewide policy. But the when you... When you head down this path, I mean, this is just the first step. Yes, it isn't. Trump didn't just nationalize the elections, although Jay Johnson did against the wishes of the secretaries of state in and the majority of them, even to this day, he made it called a critical infrastructure. And then uh, that puts it, you know, under the ultimately under the control of the feds if they call an emergency or whatever. And the Department of Homeland Security had now, Kelly, said he has no intention of rolling that back. And then Clapper on Monday, which I'll play for you in the next, after the break, said he fully supports that designation. So I think even our own Secretary of State did not like federal interference in the elections in trying to figure out the voter registration rolls. It's really a states' rights issue. Maybe he's trying to figure out best practices, but... 
they have an association. They can share practices themselves. I think it's a slippery slope, and I think I know where they're headed. I'll tell you more about it after the break. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6. And this has been a big news week. Uh, James Comey, the FBI director, was fired. It feels like a million years ago. It was Tuesday. And uh, and there have been like 11 names trotted out of people who might take his place. Merrick Garland, who is the guy everybody knows as being a nominee for the Supreme Court, but I know him because he was Johnny on the spot for the Oklahoma City bombing. I think he had something to do with the Unabomber prosecution, investigation. He seems to pop up on on cases that involve the FBI that uh, have some shadowy backstory that needs to be pushed to the side. So for him to run the FBI would be scary. But what's even scarier is the idea that Mike Rogers would run the FBI. That's another name that's being bandied about. I tweeted about it May 11th, so a few days ago. But I just retweeted it. If you want to go to my Twitter feed, at Monica Perez Show, an article by Judicial Watch about Mike Rogers, the reason that he just up and stopped being a congressman was this uh, brewing scandal that his wife was uh, one of the mucky mucks that you could trace up from the Benghazi security company that failed and led to the ambassador's death. There was a very serious, uh, you know, link there that I guess he didn't to just walked away. I mean, that's what this article implies. So I think that guy's as deep state as you can get. So that would, to me, eliminate any possibility that Comey was fired because he doesn't do a good job or he can't be trusted or whatever, or I'm trying to drain the swamp because putting Mike Rogers in there would be like putting an alligator in charge of uh, patrolling the swamp. So (laughs) Let's keep an eye out for that, let's say. But what I actually thought, that the Comey thing, it was a lot of noise. But what really scared me about last week was what Clapper and Yates said they wanted to see come out of the Russian hacking investigation. One of the things was uh, hardening the election process. And then when we saw Macron win in France... Uh, he had had a big hack. Le Pen, his competitor earlier, a less publicized, but also infiltration. The NSA came out and said, oh, well, we we spied Russia trying to mess with your stuff. So if you want our help, we'll give it to you. When I see these narratives across the board in the Western world, I always I've noticed that the policy mood goes in lockstep. I've noticed it. I noticed it with gay marriage. I noticed it with the cake baking thing. The gay marriage story was erupt. I was visiting Australia. The gay marriage um, demands, city hall protests, whatever, years ago, just when they were emerging here, were emerging there. I was in London a few years ago, just as the bakery case was in the news here. Does a baker have to bake a cake for a gay marriage? The exact same case, like the, uh, different people, but the same story was in the courts, like playing out in the exact same way, in the exact same timing in London. It's crazy. I just saw a Swedish rape um, Facebook lived 
<laughs> you know, and didn't we have a murder Facebook Live? Like, these parallels are undeniable, in my opinion. Um, so when I saw the Macron hacking thing, the Russian hacking thing, I was like, okay, they're, they're just changing the way the Western world looks at elections. They're going to harden them up by digitizing them, by rolling them up in a ball. And, and, what's, and that is what's going to make it so difficult. So another thing I tweeted recently was a video of uh, a software engineer who, was, who claims he was a whistleblower testifying in court. It's very credible that Republicans went to him in 2004 and asked him to help hack into voting machines in Ohio. Now, if you have 50 different guys you have to go to for that, it's going to be harder to control an election. But if you centralize it, it's going to be easier. So even Comey himself said several times last year, this year, that the reason Russia couldn't actually hack our election was that, and to quote Comey, he used words like, our system is a hairball, our system is clunky. He said, our system is such a de- decentralized mess. And I believe, like, maybe Brennan or Clapper, somebody put out a memo saying just that. It's such a decentralized system that you could never really hack it. But once they centralize it, you will be able to hack it. And it won't be Russia who's hacking it. It'll be whoever's in office is going to be the one who's going to hack it. So that's why I'm afraid of that. Uh, and, and, and I want to play a few more clips of how deep these policy reactions to the Russian hack are, uh, may get. Let's, let's start with clip. Now, we're, this is Senator Klobuchar asking James Clapper some questions. Uh, it's clip four. What about our election infrastructure as we move forward? As you said, one major thing we need to do is to educate the public. Um, and I'm very concerned while we have different states, have different election equipment, I'm um, the ranking on rules, and we're working on a bill on well, this. How important is that to um, protect the integrity of our election equipment? It's quite important. And speaking now as a, uh, pu- a private citizen, not my former capacity, uh, I do think that uh, our election apparatus should be considered critical infrastructure and should have the pr- protections that uh, are attendant to that. Uh, a lot of states pushed back when Jay Johnson, Secretary of uh, Homeland Security, engaged with uh, state election officials about having uh, that designation and having the federal government interfere in uh, – in their election process. But as a citizen, I'd be concerned with doing all we can to secure that apparatus. Uh, part of the uh, attended to the intelligence community assessment that we put out, DHS put out a, a paper on best practices for as an advisory on, on how to secure uh, election apparatuses in, at the state and local level. See, what I don't like about that, first of all, it is designated as critical infrastructure. Jay Johnson tried to do it, and the secretaries of state pushed back, and he did it anyway. So that was a little misleading. And Kelly, the current Department of Homeland Security head, is the secretaries of state asked him to de-designate it, and he said uh, no, or I don't think so, or whatever, no intention of doing that. And when they put out a paper on best practices, when they when they normalize stuff, it remind, this reminds me very much of the policing. You do not want your policing at the federal level 
even if simply the idea of two layers for the policing makes sense, like if if the feds want to come in and rub somebody out for political reasons and make it look like a murder, the local cops might discover that. But if the cops are federal, they, they would never discover it. It's the same unit. So you want to have that. And the same thing here, like if you want if you put elections, if you tell if this if the feds tell you what systems to use, how to use them, they are going to know how to. Get around them. What you want to do is not tell them. You know, you want to, you want them not to know. You want what you really want to do is give everybody a piece of paper, let them write it down, fold it up, put it in a shoebox, and then everybody walks down to city hall, watches it get get counted, and write it down on another piece of paper. Take a picture of it with your phone. I mean, absolutely, it's so simple that the the closer it is to you and voting in your neighbor's house, the better, in my opinion. So. That's what he said about that. It, but it gets, it gets, it gets, um, there are two more agenda items. It's hardening the elections, but it's also propaganda, censorship, um, stuff like that. So let's hear her follow-up question, clip five. Very good. Do you think we're doing a good enough job now uh, back to the propaganda issue um, in educating our citizens about this? No, we're not. And the other thing we don't do well enough is the counter-messaging. And how would you suggest we could improve that? I would be for, uh, I'm, I've been an advocate for a, a USIA on steroids. Okay, so just to interrupt for a second. He's asking, you know, I mean, she, Binkley's laughing because it's the USIA is, it was a prop, like the Ministry of Propaganda during the Cold War, and it was dis banded in 1999 and what it did so he said basically we're not censoring the news enough and we're not propagandizing enough and the usia look it up on wikipedia it went and pushed information out to uh, other countries and deliberately tried to sway them our way influence their elections i mean is that why are we laughing Pinkley? say that because it's so crazy I mean, he's just saying we just need to really amp up the propaganda we're putting on towards the American people. Well, now, the USIA, I believe, was outward looking towards the foreign audience. However, if you look at the Smith-Munt Amendment, which passed, I think, in 2013, that it's complicated how it works. Uh, That's just a small piece of it, the Smith-Munt thing. But it talks about how it's now okay to expose domestic audiences to that propaganda. So that's, I think then you had an explosion really of false flags and propaganda, <laughs> but, but he, he doubles down on it. Clapper does here in uh, clip six. I think counter messaging, uh, the Russians giving him some of their own medicine, uh, much more aggressively than we've done now. I, and I would hasten to add that is should not be uh, tagged on to the intelligence community. It needs to be a separate entity from, from the intelligence community, something the IC would support, but should be separate from that. So he wants a dedicated ministry of propaganda, is how I read that, Finkley. You got, is that what you heard? That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> so this, you know, I was just like on Monday, I was like, oh, my gosh, they're laying it all out at Crash Click Code on the Russian <laughs> hacking. I'm, I, and I, I emailed you. I was like, this is what I'm talking about on Saturday, no matter what. Like, nothing could possibly happen. That's going to make me, you know, talk about something else. And the next day, uh, the Comey thing explodes. And there's like a funny little detail about the Comey thing is that 
you, I've read this in several articles. Maybe you have to really read the crap out of these articles to get where I got. But I noticed they kept saying uh, Trump was in a pre-planned seclusion. Sean Spicer was the the press secretary was pre-planned at doing his service at the Pentagon. Uh, there was, you know, nothing going on on purpose. No one could have ever expected that Trump would just drop this bombshell about Comey at this time. But what's funny about it is. Uh, on Tuesday when it happened, an old uh, reporter I was listening to, I don't know who it was because it was on the radio, but he said, oh, it was so funny because, you know, when you're in this business long enough, you know, when the schedule's clear, something big's coming. So I was walking around saying, hey, man, what's going on? What's coming? What's coming? And it was just so funny because they'll <laughs> say these things. You know, it was like when they were watching 9-11. It's like, man, that looks like uh, controlled demolition, you know? <laughs> I don't know. So they, you know, they just, the the reporters look and they're like, that looks funny to me. And then they say it and then, uh, you know, it goes over everybody's head. But there you are with this strange coincidence that, and uh, that the reporter noticed there was a big hole in the schedule. And then this bomb is dropped and Trump has disappeared. The press secretary has disappeared and and the story is no no one could have guessed that there was a big bombshell coming. It's like, well, actually, yes, that the clearing the decks was in anticipation of the big bombshell, which was for sure on purpose. Anyway, wrapping it up after this. Hang on if you're on the phone uh, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We have 87 Monday as the work week begins, but that could change. So stay tuned to WSB for weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. So we've been talking about the Comey thing, and I feel like that was drown out Clapper and Yates calling for hardening the elections. And then on Friday, Trump put out this executive order about uh, getting the feds involved in advising on the elections. I just found buried in my notes. I, I looked for it because I thought Comey said something about this May 3rd. Like he said something a little bit off script. Let me read this to you. I wish I had the clip. He said uh, somebody was asking him about um, uh, what are we? I don't know. What should we do about tightening up the elections? Comey says, I think two things we can do and that we are doing both in the United States and with our allies is telling the people responsible for protecting the election infrastructure in the United States, everything we know about how the Russians and others try to attack those systems, how they might cut at it, come at it, what IP addresses they might use, what phishing techniques uh, they might use. And then we've shared the same thing with our allies. Just uh, here we've got some breaking news. That's the great big news for Atlanta. I-85 is open. That's fantastic. Tomorrow's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I continue this conversation. Obviously, it's not finished yet on Twitter, at Monica Perez Show. You can go to my uh, website, propagandareportdaily.com, to find podcasts I do here with Binkley. And uh, I continue this conversation on Facebook, comments, email, whatever you want. I'll be back next week, Saturday, 3 to 6. This is Monica Perez.